When I became a foster mom four years ago, I quickly realized there weren't many resources for foster or adoptive parents, much less for the millennial generation. That's where the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast comes in. Welcome to a no-frills look at the journey of foster parenting. It's millennial motherhood with real chats about all things foster care, from navigating home visits, court hearings, bio parents, and quote-unquote, getting to attach. Please join me every week for an honest conversation about foster care and adoption as a millennial mom. Welcome to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. My name is Brittany and I am a millennial adoptive mom through foster care. My husband and I have had 10 kids in our home since we became licensed in 2016 and we have adopted four kids. We currently have four kids under nine and our youngest is five. If you'd like to hear more about our story and how we came to foster, please consider listening to season one, episode one titled Our Foster Care Story. I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas. I really can't believe that we're already in our last week of the year. We have just been soaking up our time off from school, and it's just been really nice to relax and recharge and spend time as a family. We have had endless pajama days, which my kids are loving. We've played Uno Attack more times than I can count, and we've eaten way too many Christmas cookies from my grandma. But now that the holiday is behind us, we can rest a little bit more before cleaning up the house and getting back into our routine next week. I think that we really needed this break, and I'm so glad that we didn't schedule anything besides a few visits with family. It's been a breath of fresh air to lounge and to just be lazy, which is something I really struggle with, so it's been nice not to have a jam-packed schedule. I hope each of you has had a chance to relax and truly enjoy the holiday season this year. And speaking of holidays... Do you have resolutions for the new year in 2022? I don't usually have set resolutions, just kind of like soft goals I'd like to keep working towards. And one is continuing to deepen my relationship with God. I'd also like to continue working on setting healthy boundaries with work. And then my third goal would be to love on my family more and make it a point to spend more one-on-one time with my husband and my kids. If you have resolutions you'd like to share, feel free to comment them under this episode's picture on Instagram because I'd love to read them. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about keeping in touch with a child's birth family. This is an episode I thought would be particularly fitting, especially during the holiday season where we have contact with our son's birth mom. So we'll talk about what that looks like for our family, how to set up healthy and respectful boundaries, and then how to navigate contact as your child gets older. And I just want to reiterate that I am in no way an expert about any of this. Anything I talk about on this podcast is based off of my personal experience and my opinion. And this is just what has worked for us personally. What we do might not work for someone else's family. And also, as I'm recording this, it is pouring rain outside, which I love. I'm so excited about the rain today. So if you hear anything in the background, that's what it is. So we're going to start by talking about what contact with the birth family looks like for our family. So we have four kids all adopted through the foster care system, but only one of our four children have contact with their birth family. Caleb's birth mom is still involved in his life, but our other three children do not have any contact with their birth families and haven't since before they came home to live with us. So it's been years. Before we even knew for sure that Caleb would be adopted, we made it clear that we were not going to impede on his relationship with his birth mom. 
She had been consistent at his visitations and called him at the times that we had set up. So my husband and I never wanted to be the reason that he didn't have a relationship with her. We just didn't feel like it was our place. So Caleb and his birth mom had maintained contact through his years in foster care, and we didn't want to sever this relationship just because he was going to be adopted. So not everyone will agree with me on this, but this is how we approached keeping his birth mom in his life. So before she officially surrendered her parental rights, my husband and I called her to discuss the parameters of contact after Caleb's adoption. So no caseworkers and no CASA workers were present. It was just my husband, myself, her, and her boyfriend. Our state does not recognize open adoptions, so keeping contact is entirely up to our discretion and the state is not involved whatsoever. So technically, we could have set all of this up and then the moment his adoption was finalized said, you know, just kidding, we aren't doing that, but we never would have done that to her. I'm going to go over what contact with her looks like for our family. This was what was set up before his adoption was finalized and we both agreed to what we had outlined as far as contact. So they have a phone call every other Sunday, um, two hour visits for major holidays and his birthday. And then we also wanted to have an open invitation to any extracurriculars like soccer or school performances. We kept Caleb in mind when we made this list. Um, Before his adoption was finalized, he was having weekly visits and weekly phone calls. So it would have been really traumatic to completely cut her out of his life once his adoption was finalized. We scaled back the in-person visits just due to the busyness of life, but his phone FaceTime calls continued so they can have bi-weekly check-ins. Before we presented our ideas on contact post-adoption, we also ran the list by Caleb's therapist and she approved it as well. Sometimes the birth family will have their own request and it is important to learn how to compromise and meet in the middle. But at the end of the day, you have to do what is best for the child and what will allow them to still attach and connect with you as their new adoptive family. Sometimes it isn't safe or healthy for the child to still have contact with their birth family, and that's okay too. So I'm very protective over his birth mom. She's older than I am, but I still feel very protective over her and her journey because without her, we wouldn't have Caleb in our lives. And I don't let people talk about her in a negative light, and I don't typically answer questions about why Caleb ended up with us. She's always been extremely respectful and supportive to whatever we feel is best, and I really am grateful for that. I know this situation isn't everyone's experience, and sometimes a healthy relationship with birth families just isn't a possibility. And while that stinks for everyone involved, it's just reality. Sometimes it can get a little awkward to sit in a Burger King for two hours, but I know they enjoy their time together, so it's worth it. I have to remind myself that these visits aren't for me, but they're for Caleb and his birth mom. Small talk is okay, but we don't have to be best friends. And I've said this in previous episodes, but I think it's worth it to say it again. It is humbling to realize that with a few choices, we could end up in the same boat, so we really need to extend grace and kindness. So now we're going to talk about how to set up healthy and respectful boundaries. I think to set up healthy and respectful boundaries, it is really important to be on the same page as your partner. My husband and I decided early on in our foster training that we both have to give a yes or it's an automatic no. If someone feels their opinion or feelings aren't being heard, it will lead to a lot of resentment and frustration down the road. Think about who is on your team. We ran the different types of contact for Caleb's mom by his therapist before we presented our ideas to his birth mom. We wanted to make sure that they were a healthy amount of contact and we feel we have balanced that well. 
Her feedback reassured us, and we also ran it by his caseworker at the time. We had never experienced contact with the birth family before, especially post-adoption, so it was important to us to try and set up healthy boundaries. Think about what you would be comfortable with, and most importantly, think about how your child feels. Are there behaviors that present after in-person visits? Are there roller coasters of emotions after a phone call? Think about what would be best for your child, and if they're old enough, ask them what they would prefer. These are some of the things we thought about before coming up with our plan. So now we're going to move on to navigating contact with the birth family as the child gets older. So when we first came up with how we would stay in contact with Caleb's birth mom, he was six, so he didn't really have a ton of input on what his contact with her would look like. As he gets older, though, he will have more control over what his interaction with her looks like. If he wants more phone calls or less, that is up to him. If he would like to see her more often, we can definitely discuss it. Again, it was never our place to sever that relationship post-adoption. So if he decides in the future that he would like to scale back his contact, that is up to him. Caleb has the control of his contact as he gets older. So the last part I wanted to talk about in this episode is explaining to kids why they get visits and why some of them do not. So with one of our children still having visits with his birth mom and our others not having visits, it can be kind of tricky. We don't try and hide Caleb's visits with his mom. In fact, a lot of times all of our kids come with. If we have a visit at the park, Caleb and his birth mom will play together and I'll play with my other three kids. And sometimes we end up all playing together. And I can only imagine what some people think is the narrative on this dynamic. But at the end of the day, the opinions of others don't really matter. This is what works for us and having our other three kids involved and not trying to keep his visits with his birth mom a secret has seemed to help. Caleb's birth mom is easily mentioned in our home and it isn't taboo. I think it's important to have an ongoing conversation with your kids about how sometimes a relationship with the birth family just isn't possible, and sometimes it is, but it's never the child's fault if it doesn't work out. Sometimes they will ask why they don't get to see their birth families, and for now, we just tell them that they are doing things that weren't safe and we can't be around them. When they are older, we might explain the specifics, but for now, that answer will suffice. It is important to have an open dialogue with your kids about their adoption and their birth families. While there's a lot of grief and brokenness surrounding adoption, it can still be celebrated and no child should ever feel their adoption as something bad to be talked about. I think it also helps kids to understand that families look different and it helps them not to judge families that might look different from their own. Caleb's birth mom will always be a part of our family. So if you tuned into season one, I did a series called Roses and Thorns every single episode, and this was a high and a low from the week, and I kind of wanted to modify that for season two and just talk about something I'm interested in or something that's come up, and that's where the idea for a snapshot came from. So my snapshot for this week has to do with everyone's favorite thing, which is food. I love meal planning and grocery shopping. And I know some people loathe it, but I love it. So this week, I've been binging Struggle Meals on Hulu. And while we definitely have more stretch in our budget than we used to as newlyweds, it's always fun to watch how to stretch ingredients and make things from scratch. We try and live below our means, so it's always a good thing to find new recipes to try. And I also discovered a new YouTube channel called Savvy Saute that I have fallen in love with. Leah, the creator of Savvy Saute, shops for bargains but still creates healthy and delicious meals for her family, 
but on a budget. So I'm aiming to do a low spend month in January so we can clear out some of our freezers. So these shows have been the perfect source of inspiration that I needed. And it's been really fun just to sit and binge watch these shows because that's not something I normally get to do when we're in school and in our regular routine. So that is going to wrap up this episode of the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast can be found on almost any podcast listening app. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate if you would leave a positive review. I'm up to 19 reviews so far. With more reviews and downloads, the podcast will show up in more searches and can reach more foster and adoptive moms. If you could please leave a review or a rating, I would so appreciate it. And a huge thank you to everyone who has already taken the time to leave a rating and review. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast is created using an app called Anchor. If you would like to connect, you can find me on the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast Instagram page, or you can email me at themillennialfostermompodcast at gmail.com. I always love talking to you guys and hearing about your fostering experiences. And if you have an episode, idea, or topic, feel free to send them my way. I go back to work next week, so my plan with season two is to record and publish at least one episode per month going forward. And I feel like that's pretty doable with our spring schedule in mind, and I'll definitely do more when I'm able. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And remember, motherhood is hard no matter how you get there. But together, we've got this, mamas. Talk to you soon. Thank you.